With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. Paul Dottino, John Schmuck with you at 201-939-4513. We have completed our ring-around college football. Yes. And we are a little under one week until the draft. So it is coming fast and furious. We are ready to go. we got a couple great guests today. They've been joining us every year for the past four or five years. Uh, we have Kentley Platt. You know him as Math Bomb on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Have you seen those little boxes, folks, that give RAS scores, which are called, which is an acronym for Relative Athletic Scores? With all the position? colors. They look like Lego blocks. Yes. Well, that's the guy that created those. And we were one of the first adopters of those when he first started doing them. We had Ken on the show. He goes basically has uh, goes back to 1986 on um, all of his numbers. He basically tracks all the combines, height, weight, speed, that sort of thing. And he creates a percentile basis of where the player stands. We'll talk about him about some of the standouts and maybe not so standouts in terms of athletic scores this year. And then, Paul, first off, that's going to be at 1 o'clock. First, we're going to be joined by Matt Waldman. He's the Mm -hmm. creator of the Rookie Scouting Portfolio, known as RSP. You can find the link to purchase it on Twitter at his Twitter handle, Matt Waldman. That's with two T's. And now he joins us right now on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Matt, you got John Schmoke and Paul Dottino here in East Rutherford, New Jersey, man. How are you? Hope all is well. I'm doing pretty well, thanks. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, we, we always love having you on, man. Hope everything's going well with you. And, look, we've kind of covered these guys at the top a million times. So <laughs> I, I plan on talking to you about some of the guys that maybe you like that we haven't talked much about on these shows, which I think will be fun. So, uh, Matt only does skill position, so we're going to stick with running back, tight end, wide receiver. Maybe we'll squeeze a quarterback question in at the end, but the Giants really aren't in that market, so I'm not that concerned about it. I want to go to the running back spot, and somebody you have ranked pretty high, Matt, is Kendra Miller. And I watched him, much like you, I liked his running ability. I think he's a good between-the-tackles runner. But you seem to be a little bit more bullish on him in the receiving game when he really didn't have much usage in that area. Give me your rundown on Kendra Miller at a TCU and why you like him so much. Yeah, because when you take a look at usage with the college game, certainly that can tell you whether or not a team relied on him a lot, but doesn't always tell you whether the skills project to the next level. 
So when you watch Kendra Miller as a receiver, you can see that he adjusts well to the football. He has good hand-eye coordination, and he can do it in tight coverage in, in scenarios where you have to show a wide catch radius or really make difficult adjustments. So the fact that he can win the ball doing that tells you that maybe he wasn't used as much in that capacity based on how the offense was um, what they asked him to do. And sometimes they asked him a little bit more to be a pass protector. And he is a promising pass protector because of his size. Mm-hmm. He was good at sticking his nose in there and being able to handle linebackers on A-gap blitzes or maybe help out with the edge game. Again, there, he needs a little cleaning up, too. But most backs do. He's, he's able to get square. He's willing to deliver a punch. He just needs to stop dropping his head because a lot of the, a lot of running backs do that. They drop their head into the contact, and then they can get blown up easier by savvier defenders. But when he can deliver a punch, he delivers a good one, and he can maintain square. So when you look at those types of elements with this game, you can see there's growth potential there with it. And then when you add on to what he does as a runner, he's a really smooth runner with good size. Reminds me a lot of Lamar Miller, the former Dolphin mm-hmm. in Houston, Texas. It seems to me that the Giants would be wise to think about the middle rounds for a running back. I mean, John and I have been talking about Barkley. We don't necessarily know how long he's going to be here. He's got the one-year tag sitting out there. There's the potentially signs of two, three, four-year contract. Who knows? But I do think the Giants are in the market for a running back, a guy who could potentially be a developmental guy, which to me means the sweet spot is probably in the fourth round. Yep. For me. May not be for everybody, but it's for you. Okay. I agree. Four or five. Now, I'm a big Tank Bigsby guy. I've seen some people think he could go as high as the third. I've seen some people say he could go as low as the sixth. Where does he fit into that potential cluster of sweet spot running backs? Yeah, I mean, with, Tank, with, with Bigsby, he's a player that I really wanted to like, and I think that he can be a nice compliment. Now, if you want to talk about a developmental guy, to me, he is more of a developmental player from the standpoint of that eventually he can become a contributor. He could probably contribute this year if you really needed him to, mm-hmm. but is he going to be, is he going to take over and become a starter? Well, the, the big questions for me are that he tends to be a little impatient when he loses, when defenses are able to plug gaps early, he tends to stop, veer away from the plan. And that can be something that can be, um, really disadvantageous for a running back early on because coaches realize that you're not going to stick to the scheme and you're going to create more losses than you are, um, turning lemons into lemonade. You know, you want running back coaches and coaches in general want guys who on second and 10 don't try and gain eight yards on a play where they're likely going to lose four. Instead, try and turn that into a two-yard gain and keep the playbook open. Bigsby tends to do that. He has some really nice footwork combinations um, in terms of what he can do, but he doesn't seem to combine them well enough to make them um, as efficient as he needs to be in the passing game. If I were to offer an alternative for the for the Giants, a player who that you could get in the fourth round, likely who can be a starter in the league right now, but the reason that he's not going to be drafted early is that he had a quixotic recruiting journey. Um, he transferred from TCU to Ole Miss, and then Quinshaw Junkins, the freshman, one of the freshmen of the year running backs, kind of split time with him, and that's Zach Evans, a mm-hmm. former five-star recruit who is a very adept runner scheme diverse, can catch the ball reasonably well, very good blocker, good after contact, 
long speed, productive guy, and really just a good, solid decision maker who yep. can turn lemons into lemonade. Yeah, I know you're very high on Evans. I think you have you him ranked as your number three running back, right behind Bijan and and Gibbs. He's close. He's he's. I've got him fourth, but it's not that far away for sure. The other guy I want to talk to you about a little bit and dig into the details is uh, Devon Shane, who obviously has that big forty time. I got to be honest with you, Matt. When I watched him, I try. I kind of struggled to find the role for him. I wish he was better in the passing game. I didn't see enough there to to say, all right, I'm going to plug him in as a third down back and use him in that way. I didn't see enough there for me to feel good about that in year one. He has the, the, the straight-ahead speed. I know he can make people miss in space. I get it. I just think at his size, you know, for a guy like Tajay Spears, it's pretty easy for me to figure out how I'm going to use that guy. I think it's a little bit tougher with the Shane, even though he has that big-time 40-yard dash speed. I would agree with that, and I think that really the guy that he compares to me right now is more of a LaMichael James, who was a player that I think was a little bit before his time at Oregon coming over to San Francisco's offense before they really spread the field a ton. Um, and he could work well in a, on a team that wants to spread the field a lot, but considering the way the defenses have played a lot of cover two and are trying to spread the field back with these linebackers to, or safeties disguised as linebackers, these offenses are now looking at this and saying, look, we can run power toss, gap, plays, and shove it down your throat and play against your smaller linebackers and smaller defensive front players now that can help a shane in the sense that he can be a gap runner you can run into one spot and leverage that speed and certainly you can use him in the screen game but again from a size perspective how confident are coaches going to be over you know uh you know 17 game season of pounding the ball with him between the tackles even five to seven times over that period of time, and I would say historically, guys who are under 190 pounds generally don't get that yeah. kind of confidence. So, to me, he's a he's a situational player with a lot of speed, but do you have that luxury? Do you have the surrounding talent to add him in? Because generally, when you have a situational player like that, they do their best when you have really strong players that either command double teams or force defenses to really play away from the tendency of the one player who can do one or two things really well. I'm going to ask you to go into your memory banks just a bit here because I want to ask one more running backs question. We have other positions we want to get to. But let's assume for a second the Giants are indeed going to get a developmental running back. Where would these guys in the sweet spot of the fourth round compare to Joshua Corbin of Florida State who they were able to get as an undrafted rookie free agent last year, had a really good August in the preseason, and then sat on the practice squad and watched everybody. I know there are some Giants fans who have been very vocal on the Internet about they like Corbin a lot, and they think he's a good developmental prospect. Are the Giants sleeping here that maybe the guy in-house could be as good as some of these day three running backs who will be coming out this season? Um, I think that there's a chance that you could say that. And part of that is, is that Corbin's had a chance to learn the system. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he's you know, obviously a little bit healthier. Um, for me, I think that there are enough backs in the system that probably you could get out of the top 15, top 20 that I would like more than Corbin. Um, I wasn't as high on Corbin as some other people were. Um, but I would say that 
you know, overall, if the guy's learned the system, he's learned the scheme, and he shows that the, the acceleration and speed um, really are back, um, and the decision-making really is a little bit more fine, because I thought the decision-making needed work. He was more of a gap duo runner for me, um, kind of a Deion Jackson type, if you mm-hmm. remember Deion Jackson, who played with the Colts, sure. um, who certainly made an impact. Yeah. Um, but I think that, you you know, Corbin could certainly be that guy, um, but again, there's guys like Tyon Evans out of Louisville, or um, you know, who could be, or Sean Tucker, who probably will go in that range, who are guys who have really good acceleration, um, who can play, you know, Evans in his case can be really physical and is a good decision maker, and Tucker has a really nice fit in the gap scheme as well. So, you know, you might want to go for a couple guys there, especially if you feel like one of them can contribute on special teams. You can at least have a little bit more of a competition and, and see what you got. We're joined by Matt Waldman again. He is an 1100 page. No, I did not miss misspeak. 1100 page <laughs> scouting RSP. Go check it out at Matt Waldman. One more question, Matt, real quick on the running backs for me because you had two guys high up on your list that I honestly had not watched. And so I want you to give, and we've talked about a million different prospects on this show, and the fact that I can get two new names here that we haven't even uttered once, I want to have a chance to, to, mm-hmm. to give you a chance to give thumbnails on them. One is one you just mentioned in Tyon Evans. The other one is Christopher Brooks. Give me thumbnails on those two guys and, and why Giant fans maybe should be thinking about those guys on day three. Yeah, Evans came out of Hutchinson Community College, then trans- worked to uh, Tennessee and transferred to Louisville. And he's a bowling ball of the back in that Ray Rice, Zach Moss, um, Travis Henry type of um, height weight range, really good mover with cuts, um, can be efficient with his feet, can run in gap or zone, promising as a pass protector and receiver. Needs a little more work there. He's four five speed at five nine two twenty five. That guy's going to move some piles for you, but also make you miss. He can run around you, run through you. Um, talk about guys who can run through you. Christopher Brooks has been a favorite of mine out of Cal, who transferred to BYU last year, but at Cal. You see him used on wheel routes, bullet routes downfield, in the red zone as a receiver coming back to the quarterback and working with the guy. And that's great for a 6'1", 235-pound James Conneres, Samaji Pirine, Gus <laughs> Edwards, like, you know. It sounds like a Tatino of, back. You know, pile mover. He is a old-school. Yeah, he's a Old school pile moving tackle breaking guy. I can look at him now, John. To catch the ball. That's a guy that you can get as a UDFA, and he's going to make your club, and he may contribute in a year or two. Wow. All right. Uh, I'm going to stick to the run game, not a running back, but I'm going to go to the center spot, okay? Because I've had a lot of people say to me there are probably five starting centers in this draft. Now, we've all heard about Michael Schmitz, we've all heard about Tipman. I think we all know Avila and Weipler and uh, Oluwatimi. I think I think it's probably fair to say that all five of those guys could probably start in the league. But but there doesn't seem to be a consensus that any of these guys could be an all-pro. Where do you stand with the centers? And do you think, in fact, that there really are five guys who could start at the position? Well, that's a great question. I generally focus on the skill positions at the uh, offense, those four those four that we talk about, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and quarterback. But I will tell you just overall that if you think you have a starting caliber center, um, does he necessarily have to be an all-pro for you to draft in the first round? I would say no because 
really when what teams are starting to realize is that the closer to the middle of the field where you're aligned or where the closer to the middle of the field where you your work is going to end, um, the better the processing information, the better the processor you need to have. You need right. to be a fast processor of information. That And so to me, center has always been the position that is one of the most underrated on the offensive line when you're building a team because it ties everything together. Um, you are really you're making the calls, you're making the reads, you're you're the second quarterback on the field pre-snap. You're also the guy who is helping out with your guards. If you got a really mobile guy who can move, certainly that can expand your running games options. Like say Jason Kelsey with the with the Eagles and how they can run so many different types of plays that that can be helpful. But I would say if you've got a guy who fits what the Giants want to do. And it doesn't mean that you need to expand everything more. If you just feel like he fits what we want to do and he can tie our team together and make our guards better, he can make our quarterback a little bit better. Um, he's going to, you know, then he, to me, that's worth a first round pick. Um, because the, to me, the trenches are everything. You can find, there's so many running backs out there and so many wide receivers who people are going to say, well, they're not worth the contract money. But if you, build out the trenches and you have everything you need there in the trenches, you can add free agents at these skill positions mm-hmm. and you can contend. All right, we're joined by Matt Wallman. Matt, let's jump to wide receiver here. And we, you know, we're trying to find some bigger wide receivers for the Giants, and, and we don't need skyscrapers. I just mean guys that aren't 5'9". Because, the, <laughs> because, because there are a million, as you well know, there are a million of them in this draft class. The Giants have a million of them. And I'm just trying to find somebody that's not 5'9 and 175 pounds, so that's kind of the goal here. And you have two guys that you really like. We've talked about them both a little bit here, but not really not Xavier Hutchinson since the senior bowl and Keyshawn Butte only a little bit. Talk about those two guys who are, I think, bigger outside wide receivers. I see them both more as as possession types. I think you see them as more than that. Uh, why do you like Hutchinson and, and Butte as potential maybe late day two picks where they can add some good value as outside wide receivers on your team? Yeah. And I certainly think they're more possession types. They're not huge big play guys, but they're guys that are going to give you a lot of receptions and are going to be reliable as that either the – the Z spot, the flanker, or a combo of a flanker and a slot player. And Butte is that guy because he really fits that Robert Woods, Jarvis Landry um, mold of player. People are going to be disappointed with the vertical at 29 inches. Well, guess what? Robert Woods and and Jarvis Landry had that same vertical leap that was seems disappointing. He's faster than both of them. He's quicker than both of them metrically. And when you take a look at what he does, as a receiver, you have to understand that when you scout players, the metrics are supposed to really help reinforce what you see on the field and what they do stylistically. And what he does stylistically is keep his feet on the ground when he, as he wins the ball, makes the first man miss, maybe breaks a tackle, and gets you know, and is able to work in the middle of the field as a tough receiver who can also do some work tracking the ball downfield, you know, off play action on, you know, at the boundary. And so I think he's a very good player in that Woods um, Landry mode. Xavier Hutchinson to me is also a, a really skilled player because he can play inside out. He has a very wide catch radius. He understands how to vary his pacing to set up defenders with his route. He's efficient, but also sneaky good at telling a story that's 
that can get him open. And the acceleration and the short area quickness are really strong enough with his game that you can look at the four five three forty and say, okay, well, we'd love to see four 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 three receivers on the outside, but really the threshold is in that four five five range. If you're under that and you have excellent short area quickness and, and acceleration, you're going to get open, especially with if you know how to run routes. Very good after the catch, good blocker. He's a versatile guy that can help you out. And I think Cedric Tillman, if you're looking for an outside receiver, kind of a Mike Williams-esque type of compliment for someone. Four five four speed, 37-inch vertical leap. He could take good catches. Um, don't give him away, man. Don't technique. give him away. I want him at 57. Please, don't give him away. <laughs> <laughs> I really want him at 57. I don't think he's going to get there, though. John always likes yeah. to stick a fork in all of my guys. No, that's because you always want guys that are going to go 20 <laughs> picks before you pick for your guy. Oh. You, you, you stick the fork in yourself. All right. Uh, let, me, let me go to your chart because, Matt, when, when we talk to uh, Dable and Shane here with the Giants, they're consistent in the number one thing they want from a receiver. And they're not talking about size. They're not talking about length. I'm a size guy. All right. I don't want a room of Smurfs. That doesn't work for me. I, I would rather have bigger guys. But the bottom line is they talk about one word, separation. It is the number one word they care about when it comes to receivers. Your chart says there are no star caliber wide receivers in this draft when it comes to the separation trait. However, you've got about 30 wide receivers who you say are starting caliber receivers in separation, including Smith Najigba who many people will be a lock for the first round. And you also have Quentin Johnston, who also is supposedly a lock for the first round. Now, there are those who think there could be four or five receivers in the first round, but based on the separation criteria, doesn't seem like you're so sure about that. Um, can you take that a step further for me and kind of dig in on that angle? Sure. Separation is usually one of the things that, you know, people think of separation in terms of just speed and quickness, but it's really also about can you defeat the jam? Mm -hmm. And when I'm looking at players, the hand fighting. Do they have the footwork and the hand fighting to be able to set up defenders and, and get separation early in a route. And, you know, there are some players that are, you know, if you have starter caliber guys, that means that they, in a short period of time, they're going to be able to compete with starting cornerbacks to do that within, you know, Eight to, tw eight to 16 games. You know, Quentin Johnston certainly is a guy that, for what Dable likes to do, which is have receivers work across the field so that your quarterback has multiple windows of opportunity without having to scramble too much to find an open man, as opposed to maybe routes where they, the receiver has to reroute and the quarterback has to know what the reroute, where the reroute's going to go. Um, you know, that can hurt a guy who has a little bit of pocket deafness like Daniel Jones. I mean, just face it, there's a, you know, he's a, he did a really good job last year, but his work in the pocket has always been a little bit on the suspect side. And while he's gotten progressively a little better on that, Dable's system, just like with Josh Allen, has helped him out. Quentin Johnson's strength is working across the field, mm -hmm. working quick, breaking routes, using his size, using his speed. Now, downfield, not so good. Hand positions are, um, at the catch point, need a lot of work there. He could have been the number one overall receiver on my board if he understood how, when um, to use his hands to attack the ball rather than like, you know, you want to use that overhand position to attack the football. You want to earn the ball. 
you know. Instead, he's kind of more like a Charles Dickens character with his hands underhand, begging, please, may I have another? And <laughs> when you do that with a defensive back, they're going to slap that away yeah. and say no. Uh, yeah, you know, Matt, i got to be honest with you. That is the first Charles Dickens player comp that I've gotten doing Never these heard shows that. for 15 years. That Never was, heard that. That was phenomenal. I love it. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Well, see, there you go. But, I mean, like, <clears throat> that's the thing. So, I mean, there's a lot of guys, in the, you know, to me, the best separator in this class, like, with with moves, might be a guy like Michael Wilson, but his hands have a little suspect, too. He's out of Stanford. He's a spitting image of Mike Thomas, if not for the hands. Like, yep. if he can fix that, everything metrically, size-wise, route-wise, might be the best route runner in this class. And the but injuries, like, Matt. And the injuries. <laughs> yeah, no injury. Matt, Same let, let me, injury. Same foot injury. <laughs> let, me, let me throw yeah. this in, Matt. Those, those guys have underlines on them, which you say gives them uh, more potential to have higher upside. You also have Addison listed, but not with an underline. But let me ask you this. We have a common thought around here that the Giants need the deep threat, the guy over the top. Now, separation does not equate to necessarily that. Separation, as you said, can be going across the middle, can be getting off the line. That's a lot of what separation's about. Top of the route, stuff like that. Somebody who just takes off on a go route, that's a different skill set. Is there somebody who you really like who does that particularly well who should be uh, on the Giants' radar at either 25 or 57? Listen, I mean, I'm a Zay Flowers fan. I know he's Smurf, so people aren't, you know, fans of that type of thing, and you and you want a bigger compliment. Um, so really, in this draft class, I mean, if you're looking for someone who can, who can win off the line and can give you size and presence as more of a contested type of player – well, I still think Flowers can do a lot of that yeah. for you. And and to me, it, what's more important is can you attack the ball and can you and can you position yourself against the ball? Because you guys know, I mean, there's there's a lot of big receivers out there who, if you can't earn position, if you can't win the ball first, if um, it doesn't matter how big you are, it's like yep. a quarterback, like it's like Brock Osweiler. Who you know at a quarterback where he's what six 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 seven, but throws like he's five eight because of that arm arm platform. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same kind of thing with receivers. If you don't attack the ball, I don't care how tall you are, but if you're short, but you have a good vertical and you have good hand positioning, that uh, that is more helpful to me. But at, at the same time, you know, if you're not going to look at a Zay Flowers or a Marvin Mims in that realm, a Jonathan Mingo has a great catch radius. You can get him later. He's six two two twenty. He can play on the wing. He can play out. Get around three, Paul. You know, yeah. And then At Perry is a guy that I, I kind of feel you need to put a little duct tape on that light switch there to keep it on. <laughs> but when the when the light switch is on, he is route running is very strong. There's a little bit of AJ Green esque. To his Matt, thank you. That, that was that was my, my comp for him was like a destitute man's AJ Green. That was my comp for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You like him better, and I like Mingo better. Oh no, you know what? Yeah, I have I Mingo, like Mingo better. I have Mingo Perry and Tillman all kind of in a stack, all very close. I like Tillman other. over the other two, but anyway. Yeah. All right, Matt. Final question. We got time for one more before we say goodbye. Then we got to bring in. Um, we're going to bring in Kent Lee Platt, Math Bomb, uh, right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Want to ask you one tight end question? We've talked about how good this class is. Sadly, the Giants don't really have a need for one because they just traded for Darren Waller. They drafted Daniel Bellinger last year. Um, but Luke Schoonmaker, 
you have him as your number two tight end in this class, which is higher than most others. Now, he's mm-hmm. a converted wide receiver, so I think that's probably why you think he can be a, a really good uh, route runner and things of that nature. And I thought in Michigan he also blocked pretty well considering that transition. So why do you like Schoonmaker maybe more than some of the other analysts out there? I think he's the best blocker in this class in terms of being able to um, position, punch, move defenders with the variety of blocks that you want to see. They used him on um, more of the winger in the slot at Michigan, but when you take a look at how well he can bend at his hips and his knees to to actually run um, hard breaks, that's promising. You see the, the metrics that he has, and you combine all of that and what you see on film, and you see that there's probably an opportunity for him to match up against defensive backs and um, out in space uh, more often than what Michigan did with him. And if that happens, he might be the only true unicorn tight end that we see in this draft class. I mean, we only, you know, we had Rob Gronkowski, we had George Kittle, and Travis Kelsey, I would argue, could have done that if a team wanted to make him be the blocker that he showed that he was at Cincinnati, but they were smart enough to say, listen, we'll use you as more of a receiver because most of those guys don't hold up for very long when they're asked to stretch the limits of humanity, which tight end asked people to do in that capacity. I'm more from the Bill Belichick school of like, listen, you're, um, you draft receivers early if they have those skills, and if the tight and if the tight end can block really well, we can get those guys later. But Schumacher is one of those exceptional guys that I think can be a little more at wide receiver. And even if he can't, I think he'll be a solid, inter, you know, short intermediate threat who can stretch scenes, who can win in the red zone and be a dynamic blocker for you. So he just he's just one of those rare all-around guys that fit. And, and tell Kent Lee Platt hello. Yeah, we will. And by the <laughs> way, folks, just, just, just for the record, we were in about a probably dozen players or so with Matt here. He has that type of detail on basically 10 times that many players in his book, more than 1,100 pages. The detail is great. Matt, tell them where they can find it. Yeah, you can find it at mattwaldman.com. You can get it for twenty one ninety five. If you're a fantasy player, I'm a senior staff writer, football guy since 2009, so I give you a fantasy angle, even if this is one of the two most purchased draft guides by scouts and, and personnel people, according to folks like SMU's recruiter, recruiter director Alex Brown, who tells me about that because he visits with these guys every week and knows what they do. So you get a post-draft guide along with it, and it's all for twenty one ninety five at Mount Walton. It is an encyclopedia. Yeah, it is. It, it really, really is. is. Matt, thanks so much, man. Best of luck. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the home stretch here, my friend. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, fellas. Good luck. Appreciate it. Matt Waldman. I wish he had more time with him, to be honest with you. I might have to put him on a huddle next year to get a full, full, <laughs> full 45 minutes out of him, to be quite honest with you. Really good stuff there, Paul. <clears throat> you know, the one thing I'll bring up as uh, we try to get Kent Lee Platt up here, you know, he loves Zach Evans, the running back. I watched him, and people, he, people all over the place on him. Some people love him. Some mm-hmm. people don't. I got to be honest with you, I didn't see it. I'm like, all right, he's okay. To me, he's like a fifth round pick for me in this class. Like, I like Chase Brown a lot better than him. It, it just didn't do it for me watching him on tape personally. Yeah, I, I had him in my cluster in the fourth as a potential guy to put on the radar. Um, out of Bikanda from Pitt, who I did not talk to Matt about, was the other running back who I have on my fourth round radar as a potential third day selection, who I think could do some of what the Giants would like him to do. But, you know, John, the truth is, again, that's why I wanted to ask him about Corbin because I'm still curious. I don't just forget about these guys who they keep around. I, th- I think there's a reason they keep these guys around. And and if you don't think, and obviously he does, and if you don't think that there's a significant upside 
to the guys who are going to be in the fourth or fifth round over what Corbin might develop into, maybe you shouldn't make the pick. Yeah, I have uh, Abanaconda as a fourth rounder, too, so we're on the same page. There you go. All right, 201-939-4513. James and Dexter, I know you're on the line. I will make sure I get you in when we're done with Kent Lee Platt, Uh, but it's probably going to be another 20 minutes or so, so you can either call back or you can hang tight. I will leave it to you. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. But let's get to our next guest. His name is Kent Lee Platt. You know him on Twitter as at MathBomb. He is the creator of the Relative Athletic Scores, RAS Scores for short. You can find them at ras.football. Kent, it's good to talk to you again. We've been doing this for years now. John Schmelk, mm-hmm. Paul Dettino with you here. Uh, how are you enjoying the end of this process? And I think all your hay has got to be in the barn, right? There, I don't think there's any more workouts for you to add to your, to your data at this point. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad you guys brought me back on. No, I'm I'm finished up with adding information. I'm I'm kind of got a little short list of guys that got to be trickled in either right after the draft or maybe right before if I have time. But yeah, this is the the brief slow period before the storm. Excellent, excellent. All right, uh, I have a bunch of guys I want to get to you here. Let's start at corner because I think I'm going to give you four guys here, and I think this stretches rounds one through three. As guys, I think, that fit the Giants, that really put up good RAS scores for you. Uh, Deontay Banks would be the first guy, who I think was perfect, if I, if, if I remember correctly. Um, Julius Brents, who I think could, and Darius Rush, who I think could be second-round picks for the Giants. And then Riley Moss, who I think could be a third- or fourth-round pick for the Giants. What is it about those four guys that have outside uh, characteristics that I think fit what Wink Martindale wants to do that allowed them to have such good RAS scores? Yeah, you're looking for guys that have pretty good size, good explosion, and good speed. And these are guys that have great of all those things, right? Deontay Banks is, is over six foot tall, almost 200 pounds. He ran a 4.35 in the 40. Uh, both of his explosion goals, the Burton and the Broad, were 99th percentile. This is the very top tier of athletes that you can get for cornerback. Brent is very similar to that. He didn't run quite as fast as a 40, only ran a 4.53, but the rest of his drills were fantastic, and he also did the agility drills, both of which were above 90th percentile. Uh, the thing about Brent that steps him apart is on top of that, he's also almost 6.3 and 200 pounds, so he's a very big corner on top of having those kind of elite traits. Darius Rush, another bigger guy, ran a 4.36, he's got that speed, doesn't quite have the explosiveness of the other couple of guys, but still some top-tier athleticism there. And then, of course, Riley Moss. The only thing that really did Moss on his athletic profile was the bench press, which a lot of guys just don't even do at the combine anymore. Um, but he, he has a good combination of size and speed and explosiveness. 
really good uh, agility drills as well. A lot of really good testers at this year's combine among the quarterback class. Yeah, I, well, I, I want to ask you about Darius Rush out of, out of South Carolina. And yep. and and also to me another guy who I'm very curious about is Kelly Ringo out of Georgia. I, I'm wondering exactly where those guys kind of came in on your scores because I think that you know they're in that next tier of guys who uh, I'm thinking possibly second round for the Giants if they didn't get one in the first round. Yeah, Darius Rush, you know he he has that speed and that size. Kelly Ringo, if you would ask people a year ago where Kelly Ringo would have ranked, they would have had him ranked at the top of the first round. He was very well thought of, uh, but there started to be a little bit of concern about his agility, about his bend, and about how good he was at at uh, flip, flip, uh, flipping his hips. Mm-hmm. Um, and that did show up in his testing, unfortunately. He, had, he ran that four three six, so he has that speed. He has really good size. Uh, his agility drills, however, were not all that good for a cornerback. He rated poor in those categories. Um, and even his explosion drills, which a lot of people expected to be stronger, he did, wasn't quite up to par there. Still a very good profile. He had an 8.3 overall RAS, so he still had a really good score overall. Uh, but not in the same stratosphere as guys like Darius Rush and Julius Prince and those guys athletically. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. I'll stick on defense here just because that's where we're at. Let, let's talk a little about the, the edge guys. And you have a few guys that I think will be av- could be available to the Giants at the end of the first round that put up some pretty high scores. Miles Murphy out of Clemson. Will McDonald out of Iowa State, and even Keon White out of Georgia Tech. And what I like is that these three guys, and this is why I kind of like your metrics, um, Kent, because they're not biased, right? Because I think all three of those guys are very different body types and how they play, yet they all scored well on your RAS score. Can you kind of bang through those three, how they're different, how they're similar, um, when you kind of break down their athletic profiles? Yeah, Miles Murphy, we didn't even know that we were going to get testing data on him. He was coming through from an injury. He didn't test at the combine. He wasn't able to test at his initial pro day. He came back and did a second pro day, though. Um, he ran a 4.53 at 268 pounds. That's fantastic. Um, his agility drills were very good, even though he was still recovering from an injury. So you got to realize he, he had a 9.71 overall for his RAS, and that was dealing with an injury. He wasn't even 100% yet. Um, the guy's known for his athletic talent, and he definitely showed that. Uh, Will McDonald's a little bit smaller. He's only 239 pounds for a defensive end, for an, an edge rusher that's generally pretty small. Uh, but all of his tests were fantastic. He had elite agility drills, explosion drills, and speed, all the stuff that you want to see from your, your athletic pass rushers. Uh, Keon White tested out as a defensive tackle and a defensive end, and he had elite scores at both. Uh, he has fantastic size, 285 pounds, which would be a little bit undersized for your normal defensive tackle. Uh, but he ran a 4.79 for a defensive tackle. That's amazing if you want to put him on the inside. And that's not a problem on the end. That's still good enough on the end to be able to do a lot of really cool stuff with him. So he provides you that inside-outside versatility that some of these other guys don't really provide. Can I do one edge follow-up? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yaya Diaby, it's the guy that's been connected mm. to the Giants in the offseason process by some reports. Now, he's a guy I watched him, Kent, and he, he looks a little raw to me. But, boy, he's almost got 34-inch arms, and then his testing was off the charts, right? Yeah, you already mentioned the arms. Having really long arms is really good, and he's got that a little bit of above-average size. But he ran a four-five-one as an edge rusher. That's really, really good. You really want to see that speed on the edge. Um, great explosion drills, great speed. You know, there's a lot of development, developmental potential there for a guy like Diaby. I don't. I'm actually surprised we don't hear about him more when they're talking about those day two, early day three guys. All right, I'm going to pressure your memory banks here just a little bit. Wide receiver, you might want to jot this down. Wide receiver, 
cornerback, and running back. For those three spots, give me the guy who surprised you the most when you came up with your RAS score and the guy who disappointed you the most when you came up with your RAS score. So for wide receiver, it's one of my, my favorite ones ever, which is Jarvis Landry. Um, we didn't expect Jarvis Landry to test well. Um, no, I, I wasn't, wasn't talking considered. overall. I was talking this year's draft. Oh, I'm sorry. This year, this uh, when I, I said okay, memory yeah, banks, okay. I just figured you'd gone through like thousands of players this year. <laughs> you were going to have to go back into your memory banks. I wasn't going to go back all time. Just this year's hey, draft. That's easy, too. That's easy, too. So I'll, I'll jump at running back first, then, because I'm, I'm going to jump on Zach Charbonnet from UCLA. Yeah. Um, this is a guy that a lot of people didn't really expect to test well. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like I was taking crazy pills when I was watching him because everybody was telling me how he was going to test poorly, and I was like, I don't really see that. I think he's a good athlete. I don't know why people are saying that he's not. And then he tested really well at the Combine. So he's, he's a pretty easy one for me. I kind of expected um, I a little bit, a little bit less surprised, I think, than other people. But for most, that was pretty surprising to see him come out and test as well as he did um, when a lot of people were, were questioning that with him. There weren't really a whole lot of uh, surprises at wide receiver, except maybe Jordan Addison and Keishon Boutte, who didn't test all that well at the Combine. Um, I'm going to give Addison a little bit of a pass for his pro day. Um, I, I did do a couple of posts on what the USC pro day looked like. It was downpouring and flooding all over the field. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, it was not exactly a fair place to expect a guy to run his agility drills in. Um, but he didn't test all that well at the Combine either, and Butte also didn't test all that well at the Combine when a lot of people were really expecting those guys to blow it out of the water. Um, and then you said cornerback was the third position? Yes. Yeah, cornerback, I don't think there was really anybody that surprised. Clark Phillips the third out of Utah was a guy that a lot of people had right at that end of the first round, and he didn't test all that well for an undersized corner. You really don't want to have those poor testing marks. Right? Mm-hmm. One, if you're small, you really want to test well, um, and he didn't. He has excellent ball skills, a lot of really positive tape. Um, he didn't end up below average for Raz, which is, which is a positive, but you know, when you're an undersized guy, you don't want to be around that average mark either. You really want to see more from that. When you look at the RAS scores at tight end, Kent, is this does it match the impression that this is one of the better tight end classes we've ever had? Oh yes, you know, that we we came into the the combine knowing that, or at least believing that this tight end class was going to be among the best ever. Um, and a couple of guys that we we expected to do well didn't even get a chance to test, like Dalton Kincaid. Um, but it didn't matter. We had Zach Koontz who blew the top spot out of the water. We we Jelani Woods had taken that top spot last year. Um, it had held for, I think, 15 years, something like that, before where nobody had taken it, and now it's been taken in back-to-back years. Uh, but that's a 6-7 tight end running 4-5-5 five, five, um, <laughs> with, with 95th and higher percentile agility drills. It's just ridiculous, the kind yeah. of athleticism out there. Um, and that might not have even been the most impressive test, even though he had the highest score, because Darnell Washington is 6-6.5 is six, six and, and 264 pounds, um, and he put up elite drills everywhere. He ended up with a 9.88. Um, we've got Luke Schoonmaker, Luke Musgrave. Those are guys that we were really athletic, that we expected to test well, and they did. Tucker Kraft from South Dakota State, um, a smaller school guy, so got to put himself on that national platform. And gosh, if it wasn't for Koontz taking that you know, small school guy with great testing, I think we'll be talking a lot more about Tucker Kraft, who has quite a bit better tape. Um, but even some of the guys that are going for the mid-round, Sam Laporta, Brenton Strange, you know, these guys tested extremely mm-hmm. well, and it really goes to show how deep this class is when I rattled off, what, six, seven, eight guys, and we're not mm-hmm. even below nine yet. <laughs> uh, 
I'm, I'm going to have to ask you about the elephant in the room because everybody and their mother, when they talk about the athletic abilities of the guy in this draft, they talk about Anthony Richardson. Everybody wants to talk about this quarterback, and they say, my God, what a specimen. Cam Newton, how many other people do they want to compare him to? Uh, when you saw what your RAS came out to be, were you at all disappointed, surprised? Was it exactly what you expected? Okay, so this is how I know. You didn't look at his RS before he asked this question, did you? I did not. Here we go. <laughs> I did not. So I came into this predicting that this would happen. I, I, I was desperate for a quarterback with this kind of athletic ability, ability to actually test. Um, the last couple of guys that were going to contend with Cam Newton at that top spot at 10.0 just didn't test. We didn't get Lamar Jackson. We didn't get Kyler Murray. These guys mm -hmm. just opted out of the testing because there was other, other things going on at the time, and they knew they were going high. Anthony Richardson had to fight for that, that draft slot yet. He, he doesn't have that I'm definitely going first overall um, type of mentality. So he had to come in and test, and I'm grateful that he did. Um, <laughs> he ended up taking that overall spot, number one overall spot from Cam Newton. He's the, the current 10.0 for quarterback. I don't think he ever gets beat for it. It's going to be really hard. Um, he's 6'4", 244. That's 86th and 98th percentile for a quarterback. He had a 40-and-a-half-inch vert and a 10-9 broad. That is the best ever for a quarterback, whether at the combine or a pro day. Um, and then he ran a 443 which is 99.8th percentile, and his splits were also 99.8th percentile. So four or five out of his, six, his uh, seven metrics that he did were 99.8th percentile or higher. <laughs> but what were his agility drills, Ken? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. You know, it, may, it makes you wonder if they shouldn't just move him to another position. I mean, the guy is just scary, unbelievable in terms of his athleticism. All right. Uh, wide receivers, Ken. We haven't really touched much on those yet. A uh, guy we just talked about with Matt Waldman, who wants us to send his regards yes, to you, by the way. Um, we, we, we talked about Jonathan Mingo a little bit with him. And I like the fact that three bigger guys, or four bigger guys, or and five, actually, I, I keep miscounting my own writing, are actually near the top of your RAS rankings for wide receivers, which I think is getting Paul Dettino visibly excited here for a second. His eyes are wide. So I'm going to just <laughs> list out the five guys. You can kind of hit them any way you want. Uh, Jonathan Mingo, who we talked about with Matt. A.T. Perry, who we talked about with Matt. And then th Matt Wil uh, Michael Wilson, who we talked about with Matt. And then two guys, Bryce Ford Wheaton, who I'm not sure we've mentioned on this show yet. And then Andre... Uh, Yeshivas, who's from Princeton, that we have talked about briefly. Give me your kind of lowdown on those five guys. Yeah, and you already mentioned Mingo and the other two that, that are a little bit higher profile guys. They come from larger programs. Um, this is a really small wide receiver class. A lot of the big-name guys, you know, Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, and those types, they're, they're much smaller. They're under 200 pounds. I know. Under, <laughs> under 200 pounds. pounds. So, I was going to say, they're <laughs> under 180. <laughs> so they got to get some food in them. Coming in with some size is a really big advantage, and then they have the athleticism to go with it. You know, Jonathan Mingo, that, that wasn't really a question about his game. Everybody kind of understood that he, he was going to test at least well. Uh, Mississippi has a really good strength and conditioning program, so it wasn't really super surprising when he tested well. But he ended up with a 9.86 out of 10. The, the wide receiver class is, is – um, or sorry, wide receivers in RAS are is the most populous position we have. We have almost three – or over, actually, I think, 3,000 receivers in the database. So getting that 98th percentile of among 3,000 players over the last couple of, couple of decades is pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. um, and then Bryce Ford Wheaton did, did better. So <laughs> Bryce Ford Wheaton comes out at 9.97. 
Um, this is a guy who's almost 6'4", 220, ran a 4'3", and both of his explosion drills really, had really good agility drills, so he didn't have the, the excuse. Some people like to throw for these bigger receivers saying, that, oh, well, what is his agility drill? Is he going to be stiff? He's not. He, he tested really well there. Um, and then Andre Yosivitz from Princeton, he tested extremely well for his agility drills. Um, everything on his card is above 80th percentile except for his weight. He's only, in air quotes, 205 pounds, which mm-hmm. is perfectly acceptable for a wide receiver, um, especially in this class where it's a little bit lighter lighter among heavier receivers. Um, you know, Having that kind of weight and that kind of athleticism can only help him. Both Bryce Ford-Wheaton and Andre Yosivas are both considered more developmental guys. It's kind of tough to project for wide receivers because that could still get you in day two. right? You could still end up in day two with that kind of testing, whether they think they got to take a couple years with you or not. Um, and then A.T. Perry, Perry out of Wake Forest, um, this is a guy that he's, I don't know if he's a sleeper or not because enough people that I respect love this guy's game, but I still don't hear his name ever nationally. Um, he's six foot three and a half, 198 pounds, ran a 4.47, really good explosion drills, really good cone drill. Didn't do that well in the shuttle, but um, a fantastic athlete. Ended up with a 9.62 out of 10. For Raz, um, you know these kind of guys with the size. It's kind of hard to place exactly where they're going to go. Again, some teams just value that really highly. Um, but it's really a really big advantage to have those traits in a class that doesn't really have them at the top. Can Can I ask you one technical yeah. follow up? When you see a guy have a really good three cone but a poor shuttle, right? They're both agility drills. How do you parse that in terms of how that shows up on the field? So one of them, one of those two drills measure, measures your your ankle flexibility. The other one measures your hip flexibility. Um, they're both they both measure both of those things, just one more than the other, right? And they both do take into account explosiveness. They take into account speed. The, the good thing about the agility drills is they kind of encompass all of the other things. For me, with wide receivers, the shuttle drill is a lot more indicative of, of start and stop ability, right? Can a guy can a guy run to a point stop and then change direction very quickly? So that whereas the cone drill is more about fluidity, right? It's more about being able to bend and being able to make those those sharp corners that you need to on some route some routes. Um, so it's it's just kind of the very similar skills, both of which are used primarily in route running. They just show up in different ways. So you, short shuttle is more hip, and the three cones more ankle, correct? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Okay, got it. Ken, I'm curious as to your bewilderment on a guy who comes into the league. You have the data here out of the combines and out of the pro days, and that's what you have to use. I mean, that's what you specialize in. That's what you're doing when you make these charts. A guy like Aziz Ojolari comes out of school. Last year with the Giants in his second year, he puts on almost 15 pounds of beef, of muscle. I wonder, are you curious a lot of times as to when a guy comes out of school, you do your testing, you have your grades, you have your incredible athletic scores, and then the guy gets to the NFL, and now he matures. They put weight on him. They put muscle on him. They put thickness on him. And all of a sudden, in a year or two, my God, those numbers now don't necessarily apply to that guy anymore because he's either lost his speed, he's lost his flexibility, he's lost his quicks. I mean, I'm kind of curious as to, do you sometimes look at that and in bewilderment say, wow, you know, this guy was was such a 9.9 and they got him to the NFL and he's just not that guy anymore because he bulked up? Yeah, that happens. You know, we've, we've had position changes, not not just as simple as bulking up to, to play a little bit thicker on the edge. 
But we had guys that came into the league over 300 pounds playing defensive tackle, and then a couple years later, they're down to like 250 playing linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, some players, they just they find their way onto a roster because they're really hard workers and they're really good on special teams. They follow all of their instructions. They round out that end of the roster, and they're able to work their way in however they can. And then athletic, athletic testing doesn't really apply in a similar manner right. because it's such a big body transformation. So that absolutely happens. Um, I think the guys that have the more elite traits have a little bit of an advantage on that because if you do bulk up and you lose a little bit of speed, a little bit of speed, if you had a lot of speed to begin with, I think you can afford to lose a little bit of speed. Right. Right. <laughs> if it's a weakness already and then you're bulking up, maybe that's maybe that's going to cause you some more problems. You right. know. Um, but that absolutely happens. It's, it's fairly often in the NFL when we see that type of stuff. I got two more guys I want to ask you about, Kent, and then we got to take on more calls here. Two guys that their production was unmatched, and I think people worried about their testing when they got to the combine. Then they showed up at the combine, and their testing was phenomenal. One running back, Chase Brown, who I love more than everybody else. Everyone has him in the fourth or fifth round. I don't see why this guy's not a third-round pick with his production, testing, and running ability. Then you have Jack Campbell out of Iowa, who, to me, you watch him play, and then you watch him move. I don't know how he's not the top linebacker on most people's boards, to be honest with you. Uh, your thoughts on those two guys, and were you a little surprised at how well both those guys tested, given kind of what expectations were heading in? And how did the testing, if at all, adjust your opinions of their future prospects? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think that Brown was going to run as fast as he did. He ran a 4-4-3. I, I kind of thought he was a little bit closer to a 4-5 yeah, guy. Yeah, me too. But he absolutely shows... He absolutely shows that explosiveness on tape. He had a 40-inch vert and a 10-7 bra. That's 97th and 95th percentile. You know, those are those are fantastic explosion goals. Absolutely expecting him to do that. Um, I had heard he was a gym rat. I didn't look too much into it because he wasn't really high on my radar. But you know, he had 25 in the bench in the bench press too. So that kind of adds to that explosiveness. You have a guy who's, who's spending a lot of time building those those muscles all over his body. Um, so that's, that was that part was surprising. The speed was more surprising, I think, than the explosiveness. Jack Campbell wasn't a guy that I really expected to test poorly. Uh, the, the talk about him not being quite as athletic, I think, was just because expectations kind of got a little out of hand with him. Um, he's six four and a half, two, 249 pounds. When you have guys that are that big, you don't really expect them to test all that well. Those kind of size linebackers tend to be the guys that maybe run a little bit slower. Maybe they have good explosion drills, but all of those speed drills tend to be a little bit lower. Um, but what surprised me with Campbell was his agility drills. Yeah. He had a 4-2-4 shuttle, which was an 83rd percentile, and a 6-7-4 cone, which is 98th percentile for a mm. linebacker. Those ones surprised me. I didn't think he had that kind of flexibility in him. Um, I, I wasn't really surprised by speed. He's got good, not great speed. Agreed. And then his explosiveness is not very good. But um, you know his, his agility, I didn't expect that to be as elite as it was. I mean, it's very top tier for his position. Um, it can only help him if he has that kind of stuff. Maybe he's not showing it on tape because the processing isn't quite there, or maybe his reaction time isn't quite there, so he looks a little bit stiffer if he's just reacting a little bit slower. So maybe that's what we're seeing when we, when we don't think that he's going to test that well, and then he does. Um, so hopefully that's all it is, is that he just needs to progress a little bit in how he reads defense or how he reads plays and where he thinks those running lanes are going. Is there one guy, maybe from a smaller school, an FCS school or, or, or even Division Two, who was really so far off everybody's radar that when your testing numbers came in, you said, oh, my God, look at these numbers, and regardless of position. 
regardless of position, regardless. you're really going to put me out there where I can call on where I can call on a fullback. If you want so, to, go right ahead. <laughs> no, if if somebody blew you away, maybe we should be aware of the name. Yeah, so Griffin Heber is a fullback from Louisiana Tech. He's considered a fullback. Uh, he played tight end for them. He played a little wide receiver for them. Um, a couple of years ago, back in 2016, we had a player named Dan Vitale came out of Northwestern, and he kind of had this super back reputation where he did all of these different things as a running back, tight end, t- uh, wide receiver type of player. And that was the immediate comp for him. It's actually the top comp for Griffin Heber is Dan Vitale from Northwestern. So he has this, this reputation, or this potential, rather, to build on whatever that superback profile is. And there are teams in the NFL that use that. The mm. Ravens have used it for a couple of years now. Sure. San Francisco's been using it for a number of years. Um, this is a guy who's 240 pounds. He ran a 4.58 in the 40. Um, both of his vertical drills were, were elite, even if he was just a running back, not even accounting for the fact that he's a fullback. Um, both of his agility drills were elite even if he was a running back, not accounting for the fact he's a fullback. This is a guy that's got a lot of athletic talent. He can do a lot of stuff with that. And he just came out of nowhere. I hadn't even heard his name before he tested, and now he's sitting at the very top of the fullback rankings, which is impressive. Not quite as impressive as some of the other positions because we don't have as many fullbacks in the database. Um, right. But I don't know that he's going to get beat anytime soon. 245, you said? His weight? He's 240. 240. 240. And how tall? Uh, six, one and a half. Yeah, it's good so size for a fullback. That's sturdy. All right, Ken, <laughs> final question for me before we say goodbye. Someone told, or I heard from kind of, you know, various people talking, not officially, that when they did the combine, they just replaced that turf that could maybe add a good half second or take a good half second off of some of these 40 times. When you went through the data, did you find that that might have been the case, or is that difficult for you to kind of judge? So it's difficult for me to say because I'm not there, but the numbers do look a little different than I would have expected. Um, the 20-yard splits don't really match up with the 40-yard dash times. The 10-yard splits generally match up with the 20-yard splits, and then they just fall off to the 40s. It's not every position, but it is a very weird trend to see because it looks like these guys are just you know running full tilt, and then they just kind of pull up, right, Put, you know, kick, the, kick the brakes on for those last 20 yards. It looks very odd when you're looking at it on something like Raz because it's all color-coded, so it's green, green, yellow, you know, that's how yeah. it look like. Um, it's, it's kind of okay when it's like, you know, 85th percentile, 85th, and like 79th, where it's still kind of close, but these are pretty precipitous drop-offs, and it looks, it looks very odd. Uh, I'm not sure what those adjustments were or how those were adjusted. Maybe it was a difference in how things were being recorded. I'm not sure. Hmm. Um, but I hope to get some of that information this offseason so we can come into 2024 a little better prepared. Yeah, I wonder if maybe uh, the harder turf allowed guys to start a little bit easier maybe at the start of their dash, making their you know start times a little bit better. That's interesting. Kent, good stuff, my friend. Tell everybody where they can find your stuff. Yeah, you already mentioned you can find me on Twitter at MathBomb, and all of my work is up at ras.football. We went over uh, 24,000 players in the database this year. Over 20,000 of them have a score. So you can look all those players up on the site. And uh, and view their testing. You can compare them to other players. Um, A lot of fun to check that stuff out. So check me out there or hit me up on Twitter. Thank you, Kent. We appreciate it. It's always fun to talk to you, and we'll talk to you next next draft process. All right, guys. Have a great one. Appreciate it. Kent Lee Platt does a great job. You know him as Math Bomb on Twitter. And I'm on that RAS site every day. You can literally sort by position, by year. It's awesome. So if you guys want to know how these guys test, that's that's the place to go. The number of players in that database is ridiculous. Yeah, well, he's, since 1986. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, quick math. 
The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Very good. All right, we have one caller on the line, and I know James and Georgia was on for a while, so keep an eye, Dom. If he calls back, try to get James on for us. He was holding for a while. I want to try to help him out if I can. But let's go to Dexter in Albany. Dexter, what's going on? Hey, what's up, P-Dot? What's Hi. up, John? How what's you up, doing? bud? How are you? I'll talk to you guys in a minute. I know how we used to be when we was up here in Albany for the training camp back in the days, but it was all good to go. Yeah. <laughs> My only question I have about the draft as far as a wide receiver, um, what's the status with um, – Keishon Boutte, is he a late boomer or is his stock rising or because of his weight or he has some issues, character issues or anything like that? He's all over the place, to yeah. be quite honest with you. It depends who you talk to. It would not surprise me if he's not even on some team's boards because of the you know motivational kind of weird off-field post-draft process. I'm going back to school. I'm not going back to school. Uh, he wiped LSU off his Twitter feed in like week three or four. Then he put it back on again. Uh, throwing the fact he didn't test that well. You know, he was a projected first-round pick before the year started, mm-hmm. and then his last year just didn't go very well, but he came on strong at the end of the year. So he's honestly, Dexter, all over the place. I don't know where the Giants have him. I, I think teams, you know, would it shock me if he went on day two? No, I think more than likely he's probably uh, a third-round pick given some of the things I think teams are probably worried about with him. But he's certainly a guy, and I think I think Matt talked about him a little bit, has some upside with his traits and his production before his last year at LSU. So I think I would consider him more of a boomer bust type prop. He got player. sidetracked by uh, a foot injury. He yeah, also too. he also used at the combine when I talked to him. He talked about going through three offensive coordinators and different systems and different quarterbacks. Which yeah, which really in his mind were were reasons for the decline. Um, here's the thing. When we talked to the, uh, the LSU or radio analyst, and I'm forgetting his name offhand and I apologize. When we talked to yeah, him earlier this week, uh, this month on BBK, he agreed with my assessment that he might be the most boom or bust candidate in this year's draft. Yeah. You might absolutely have a star wide receiver if everything is right. But he's also got to maintain his focus, which, as you alluded to before, um, upstairs didn't always have everything exactly the way it was supposed to be. Um, you know, there were times he was, uh, you know, talked about as potentially uh, dogging it a little bit, didn't give his focus, didn't give everything he had. And there's, so there's a lot of issues there. So if you're a boomer bus guy, I don't know that you can take him until even the third day. And look, historically, there are LSU receivers that really have all their stuff together, and they're great. There are other LSU receivers right. that are all over the place. So we, which we, one we, we've, seen we've seen both. We've seen both. In the league, if, 
if you look in the league on Sundays, there's a lot of LSU. I was just surprised because I watched this tape and I was like, this kid got burst, he got thing, but his attitude. When you look at his best, something. when you look at his best tape, you want him. You absolutely say, "Wow, this guy could be really, really good." The problem that that best tape doesn't show up often enough. It's not there all the time, and then you hear about all the other stuff on the periphery, and then that gives you the shakes. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, I totally understand. But my guy is your guy, P. Dot. Like, if hypothetically, if Kansas City was to move up to twenty-five and we go down to thirty-one, and Cedric Tillman is sitting at thirty-one, will you take him? Thirty-one. Too rich for me. Oh, he's your guy. I want Cedric Tillman, but I don't want him at 31. I mean, I, 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 I want to try to get him in the set. Now, here's what I would do. And Joe Shane talked about this yesterday, see, John. The, see, this is the beauty of Paul DeSino's drafting strategy. He wants all his players where he can no longer get them. No, I, 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 want, I want them where I want them. That's the problem. Yeah, where you can no longer get um, them. <laughs> now, Joe Shane said something very interesting yesterday, and we talked about this with Jonathan Casillas, and that is he'd be willing to dip into the 2024 draft allotment and make a deal with one of next year's picks. And, John, I think we're, we've been overlooking that, and we shouldn't. He may move up five spots in the first round by dealing a three from next year. Ooh. He may move up Maybe. into the middle of the second round by dealing something out of next did, year's draft. Did the Bills ever, besides for Josh Allen, did the Bills ever move up for anything while he was there? I don't think so, right? I don't remember, but what I will say is this. His comment about we couldn't do that last year because we needed all those players. Is it the cap situation? Right? right, and the cap problem. This year, we've talked about this on the program. I, I know we have. Ten rookies are not making this team. No, no. They're not. So the Giants are going to make moves with their picks. Now, he said because of how advanced this roster is, he'd be willing to go into the 2024 draft and deal deal something from that draft to make moves this year. He said that yesterday. Yep. I think we need to remember that. I'll just remind people that their excess picks are in around 7-5 and five this year, which don't well, yeah. move the needle. So, which means you may have to go into next year's draft. Oftentimes, seventh-round players are practice squad players anyway, and they know they don't make your 53. So, I mean, I think, let's put it this way, I right? I all the seventh-round you know seventh picks we got. It's definitely there are three of them. Squad. Yeah, there's three of them there. I want Deont- Deontay Banks in the worst way at 25, all right? He's going to be in the neighborhood. I don't know if he gets there. He's going to be in the neighborhood. But he's going to be in the neighborhood. He's going to be close. Now, John doesn't doesn't want me to get him because he wants no, me in pain. No, I like Deontay Banks. But you Banks. want me in pain. Yeah, but I want the good player on the Giants. But you enjoy me in pain. But I also like Deontay <laughs> Banks. Yes, okay. I do. Enjoy, yeah, yes, you do. do. You enjoy me in pain. It, it, if it doesn't work out, my consolation prize will be seeing you in pain. Okay. But I want so, it to, this one I want to work out because so I think here, it's realistic and I think he's a really good fit. So, Dexter, here's what I ask you. If Deontay Banks is there at 20 or 21, Oof. Do the Giants take one of their picks from maybe next year's draft might and a, see if they can get up three or four or five spots might, to go get them? That might be a two next year. Remember, I, I run to the podium for that. It might be. I'll be honest with you. I would consider it. I absolutely would consider it. All right. Okay, good stuff, Dexter. Appreciate the call, my friend. All right, guys. Talk to Thank you. Week. I'm just, I don't know. I just worry. Unless it's for a quarterback, I'm not a big move up in the draft guy. You know me. I, get, I understand. I, I just, I just, I would rather have the picks, and and I understand that. But again, I think given where this team is, and given if you really, really want a guy, you may have to move up four or five spots, and it and it may take something along those lines to do it. 
And again, I, I thought Shane was very honest, frank, and open, and I think it really does should send us a little bit of a smoke signal. He's willing to dip into next year's draft. He also basically said he's willing to do anything with every question that. Well, he he'll asked. move up or down, he, right? Well, which everybody he'll draft says. any position in any right, round, right? And, you know, <laughs> right. But but there was but but he said flat out. He said he, he he said he might make a pick while skydiving. I mean, he yeah. he, he, he said he but, pretty much but, do anything. But we knew last year he wasn't looking that's to correct. do that. No, that's fair. That's fair. This year that's he's fair. open to it. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. All right. A lot of business here, folks. Stand by. And then I'll preview what's happening next week okay. when we get back. So <laughs> hang tight. Don't go anywhere yet. We'll, I'll, I'll, we have more information coming. All right. Giants Huddle Podcast. Make sure you go subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Same thing for draft season, our draft podcast. Go subscribe. Search for it, Apple Podcast. Same thing for Big Blue Kickoff Live. And if you follow any of us on Apple Podcasts, leave that five-star positive review. It'll help us gain more followers. Giants fans, take your fans to the next level with the season ticket membership. Stay connected to the club all year round, not just on game days. Memberships for next year are available. To learn more, go to Giants.com slash tickets. Limited inventory is available. Find out about all those exclusive member benefits. Giants TV, it's the official connected TV streaming app of the Giants. It brings original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV is F-R-E-E. Tino's favorite thing, free, and in this case, legal, on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and the Giants mobile app. All right, next week, we have a lot coming your way, folks. I know we're going to have two draft seasons. We're going to have the latest intel from Tony on Monday. We're not recording that until Monday afternoon, so it's going to be as good. We're going to try to turn around quickly, so make sure you check out that draft season on Monday. Then Tony will have his final mock draft using all that intel to assign players to teams on Wednesday. Next week on Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll have our normal array of hosts. We'll have a special Thursday show. Bob Pop is going to be with Jonathan Casillas on that day, day of the draft from 1230 to 1.30. The rest of us will be arrayed the rest of the week. So make sure you check that out. I already have uh, Dane Brugler coming on with Howard and I on Tuesday just for 10 or 15 minutes to do his latest intel of what might happen in the draft. And then on Wednesday, Charlie Campbell will join us, who, again, is one of these guys that's really locked Walter in in football. terms of exactly of to where guys might go. Uh, working on Monday. I'm going to talk to Paul about what we're going to do on Monday after the show's over. Okay. So make sure you check that out. And then we're going to have live reaction shows after the pick in round one, after the pick in round two, after the pick in round three, and then after our picks in round five on Saturday. So make sure you go check that out. Those will be on the Big Blue Kickoff live feed as well. And we'll have our normal shows Thursday and Friday at 1230 as well. So I think that covers all of our programming. Make sure you go check it out. And I'm working... Oh, Giant Huddles next week. That's right. We're going to have Dave Severtson from Our Lads coming your way on Monday or Tuesday. I'm not sure which day. One of the two. We have uh, TJ McGrate coming your way in the Giant Huddle podcast today. It's not up yet. It will be shortly. Former Eagles executive. Uh, he retired before this season. We talked a lot about drafting small wide receivers because he was there when they drafted Devonta uh, Smith. Yeah. So we go deep into that. Advantages, what you look for, whether or not they work outside, inside, which could apply to the Giants in the first round this year. So I thought it was a very informative conversation for somebody that literally was like a top three or four decision maker in that room with the Eagles as their as their vice president of player personnel well, making those decisions. The Giants also have a front office connection to the Eagles. And the Brown, we talked about Bingo. that too. So I think it was a great interview. I had a lot of fun doing it. Make sure you check that out. Next week, like I mentioned, Dave Severtson from Our Lads. And then I'm working on getting Sean O'Hara on to do our offensive line prospect podcast as well. He knows centers better than anybody. We're going to talk a lot about those centers. And maybe Mm -hmm. we'll pair him with Brandon Thorne from Trench Warfare. I'm working on that. Brandon's got a lot going on. I'm trying to get that done on Monday. We'll see what happens. So a lot coming on next week. Make sure you stay tuned. 
Check out all our podcasts. We're in the stretch run here. Then we'll have all our draft reaction as well. And then we get OTAs and the schedule release. I can't wait. There is no offseason, sadly, for, for <laughs> me, who is desperate to, to sleep. For Paul Dottino, he doesn't sleep. I need sleep. I don't sleep. For Paul Dottino, I'm John Schmelk. Thank you to Dom for running the phone today and getting everything done. Pearson, wherever you are, it's nice knowing you. We'll see you next time on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Bye. Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Monogram at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com build.